Right, today we're going to, actually, I'm landed on uh, Luke chapter 7, and I'm going to share a very, very short story from Luke chapter 7. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Luke chapter 7, and just read it uh, off the screen, all right? Luke chapter 7 is a very short story, verse 11 to 17. It's called, Jesus Raises a Widow's Son. And, uh, and so let, let me just read it through for you, and then I'll tell you where I'm going. Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Naim, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. And as he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out. Why don't you read with me? Then it's a little bit more interesting. Come, join me, join me. I feel a bit nervous up here on my own. Join me, come on. One, two, three, go. As he approached the town gate, verse 12. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out. The only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, Don't cry. Then he went up and touched the bier. They were carrying him on. And the bearers stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, get up. Before we go on, turn to some young men. Says, young men, I say to you, get up, okay? Everyone here is young, okay? Everyone here is young. I'm young, you are young, okay? Cool. All right, I don't believe that there's no young men here. Cool. Right. So uh, let's go on, all right? Uh, verse 15. One, two, three, go. The dead man sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. They were all filled with awe and praised God. And a great prophet has appeared among us, they said. And God has taught to help his people. This news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. Wow. So this is something that uh, is a very, very simple story. It's a story that I actually have uh, gone through many, many times. And so when I was told I'm supposed to preach on Luke chapter 7, praise the Lord. Well, it's a kind of an easy thing to do. And uh, today I'm going to do something different, okay? I'm going to involve some of the young men and women, okay? Oh, come on, come on, come on. Come on, this service is all about you. Cool. Cheer for them. Yeah. How many of you are young? Come on. Aren't you young, Pastor Gilbert? You're young. Come on. We need to have all, yeah, we need to have all the young men cheering. Amen. All of us are young in spirit. Amen. If not in age. Right. The reason why I wear glasses is I'm no longer young. I cannot see, right? But cool. So this is a really an important story, a simple story. Here is a story about Jesus coming to a town called Naim. And he sees a widow. And this widow's only son has died. In those days, when a widow, a widow means she has no husband and she has only one son, all her hope is gone because the son represents her future, the son represents her entire hope, the son represents all that she could have wished for. And as a result of that, it was a very, very, obviously, it was a sad thing because the whole town went along with this woman. Probably it's a very small town, everybody knows each other. So the town went along with this woman to bury the son. And lo and behold, Jesus comes to this woman and Jesus does three things, all right? Look at, look at the verses. The first thing Jesus did is that he was, look at this, huh? as he drew near and a large crowd, when the Lord saw her, verse 13, his heart went out to her. So the first thing that happened for Jesus was that his heart went out to her. So what did Jesus do? The first thing was that his heart went out to her. He had compassion for her. He had compassion for her. And this is really important because 
the first thing that happens when we see such a, what I call a hopeless situation. This is a hopeless situation. The widow has son has died. But the first thing that happened is compassion. When Jesus had compassion, I think not just for the woman, but also had compassion for a generation, a young man that represented a generation that had died. In fact, the word, the young man had died, appears twice in the story. The second thing that Jesus did is that he did something that no priest would do. In the, old, in the time of the Jewish culture, if indeed there is a dead body, you, the priest would never go near a dead body and touch the coffin. They would never do that because they would feel defiled. Now here's Jesus. We know that he is considered a rabbi and all that. But Jesus did the second thing that was very important. And this is where I want you to look at it. He drew near to the coffin. He went close to the coffin and touched the coffin. It was a close, personal touch. So three things Jesus did. Number one, he had compassion. Number two, he went close enough to have a personal touch. But the third thing that Jesus did was powerful. He said to the young man, and he said, what was it that we were supposed to proclaim? Young man, I say to you, get up. Young man, I say to you, get up. He spoke, he spoke life into this young man. And that is why this story is a very powerful story about one generation to the next generation. I want to first of all say to my generation, if indeed our generation, my generation, is not concerned about the next generation, actually, there is a spirit of hopelessness. There is a sense that, wow, what's going to happen to all the legacy that we want to pass on? What's going to happen to all the churches that have been built? You know, I was at a meeting with, uh, I won't mention the organization, but you probably know it. And in this organization, they were, it's a Christian organization. And they were mourning and really upset that they were saying to us, what can we do to raise, to, to find this next generation? Because their problem was that they're saying that there's no next generation who want to be even pastors, who want to be leaders in churches, who want to lead Christian organizations. Then they actually said, wow, what will be the future of the Malaysian church? A good question. That is why we need to be concerned. When people do not realize that this is an important issue, we need, we, we, we need to realize that like the wood, when, the, when the widow loses a son, she loses a future. In the same way, when the churches of God in Malaysia, when the believers, the, the, the ones now running churches, now running Christian organizations, if all our life we do not be concerned about the next generation, what will happen to the future? What will the future of church look like? Isn't that true? It is only because Jesus did two things. He drew near and he touched. A personal touch and a personal concern. And then he spoke life. These three things are key. Number one, he was concerned about the situation. His heart went out to it. Number two, he didn't just say, well, what to do, you know. Of course, we know Jesus can raise the dead. But it's more than just raising the dead. Jesus was raising a generation. Come on, turn to someone and say, Jesus didn't just raise the dead boy, he raised a generation to life. And that is what I want to talk about. Raising a generation out of what they, what they may be trapped in now into life 
And that is critical, because what is also very interesting is that if you look at further down, is that when the young man began, when the young man, when Jesus said to him, verse 14, get up, get up, verse 15, the dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. This is really important. How do we know that we have raised the next generation when the next generation now has a voice? They have a voice that can speak out, a voice that can address the issues of today. It, the issues of today cannot be addressed by just our voice, the voice of my generation. It must be addressed by the voice of the next generation. And that is why today I'm going to be inviting a group of young people up to really help me so that you can hear their voice, all right? Now, as they prepare to go up, you can encourage them to, they're really terrified. Come on, give them a big round of applause. Yeah. I'm going to tell you, all right, even as they come up, I'm going to tell you what is the next generation. Now, just in case you and I think that the next generation is just Pastor Isaac, actually he's already too old. I'll tell you why. The next generation, when you go to Ernst and Young groups, all right, and you go to all those uh, groups that are going in for consumer and they're looking at all the next generation, this is what they call the next generation. Generation Y, these are the confident ones. Generation Z, these are the competitive ones. I have some up there. And then your Generation Alpha, these are the decision makers. So where are they? They're in Kids Zone. That is why you need to be concerned about Kids Zone. Come on, give a big round to Kids Zone. Gen Alpha. Now, so I'm going to tell you something about this generation compared to my generation. I'll just give you my three points first, and then we're going to hear from them. In my generation, now you don't want to, you, you want to, don't ask me how old I am. I'm always young, all right? I'm always young. But in my generation, if you ask me, what is the sphere that will influence, what is the sphere of influence on me? I will have to say it's very localized. Uh, it's just me and a group of people, it's localized. But for this generation, it is, for you guys, it is globalized. You, you, you actually don't need only to be sucked in into what's happening in Malaysia. You are global in your influence. Secondly, in my generation, you know, speed of things. Long, long ago, in the days when dinosaurs walked the earth, Ethan, I used to go to the post box and open the post box to get my mail. And it was good because even if it's my results, I had lots of time to not be worried. It didn't come through Snapchat. It didn't come through email. It came through the snail mail. And so I had time to, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, what's my results like? So, and not only that, if your boyfriend was writing to you a letter, it would take so long to arrive, right? So you had time to ponder about that letter. So snail mail. But today, it's all about high speed. High speed rail, high speed internet, high speed this, high speed that, high speed church. And the source of information for me would have been my parents, my friends, my school. But the source of information for you, you will tell us. So, ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce to you my friends, all from the next generation. Come on. Okay, don't, don't be scared, don't be scared, they're really scared. Now, today's real cool, okay? I was just thinking, how can I make it really cool? Actually, maybe I should ask you to ask questions, but unfortunately, you can't, okay? So, I'm going to do the questions. You can wink at me, and I'll try to figure out your question. 
Okay, so we have Ethan. Ethan, tell me, uh, tell us all something about yourself. What? How old are you? What are you doing? Yeah, hi, my name is Ethan. Uh, Whoa, come on, cool. I'll be turning 20 this year. Uh, I'm a university student in Monash. I'm studying computer science, specializing in data science. So, uh, yeah, and I attend YAC. So, shout out to all the Whoa. YAC members in front. Yeah, uh, we're a bunch of... Uh, Ethan, college. do they know what YAC is? They're like, what is that, you know? Uh, what is YAC? Come yeah, on. So, YAC stands for Young Adult Campus. Uh, so, basically, it's a bunch of college students and a bunch of university students. And maybe those, you know, that just finished university, all of us come together and we, you know, we have cell group and we talk about God and just continue fellowship together. So that's what basically YAC is like. Cool. So you know that uh, SIB has a campus ministry and it's called, come on, it's called YAC. All right, cool. Thank you, Ethan. Joanna, Joanna, and you are Gen Z, but Joanna is not. Gen, come on, Joanna. Hi, everyone. I am Joanna. <laughs> She's got fan Yes. <laughs> yes, I am from Young Adults. And I am 26 this year. I am a lawyer. And we are having one camp for all the young adults. Whoa! Cool. You get to check it out, right? Yeah. Yes. Yep. Thank you. Thank you so much. Now, you might wonder, they don't look like Gen Alpha, right? So we have Felicia and David, but they're parents of Gen Alpha. And remember, uh, parents of Gen Alpha are really, really important because if I read to you something about Gen Alpha so that you, you understand why I got them up, sorry, I didn't introduce each, but we don't need to. I just want to read about Gen Alpha. Gen Alpha is the generation, it is described uh, uh, as born after 2010, which includes children, is already set to be the most transformative generation yet. Alphas haven't just grown up with technology, they are completely immersed in it since birth. And these children don't consider technology the tools used to help achieve tasks, but they're deeply integrated into every part of life. I like the phrase that I, this is not, uh, this is just from Google, right? Some kind of research engine. Uh, and it's called the most transformative generation. And because Alpha is the most transformative generation, I thought it'd be very important to have the parents, millennial parents, uh, up here to talk about it. So can you introduce yourself? This is my wife, Felicia. Please clap. <laughs> black cards, black cards. We should have had black cards for all, right? So, um, we have a boy and a girl. Um, the boy is seven, turning seven this year. And our girl is turning five this year. So, next week, it'll be standard one. So, we're going to get a mad rush of sending them to school. Tomorrow. So, uh, <laughs> all parents uh, out there, you know, right? Monday, Monday. <laughs> right? So, yeah. <laughs> So, um, we attend a, a, fam a cell group, a family cell, faithful cell, our cell leader. So, yeah, you know, so we are glad that, um, you know, we have been given this opportunity and, you know, Pastor Lee haven't emphasized enough on the importance of raising a healthy generation, the next generation that's going to be the most transformative generation yet. And, you know, it's just exciting to see what they can do. Amen, yeah. amen. And just in case you didn't know, they have volunteered to be in Play and Pray. Uh, no, Pray and Play, is it? Yeah. Pray and Play. Uh, what is Pray and Play? What is Pray and Play, Felicia? Well, it's basically something I wish I had, you know, when mothers here, anybody mothers here, you know, when you just gave birth, 
all over the place, didn't shower for days. When was the last time I showered? You know, you just needed a break. This is a great time for you to just come with your husband, two hours. You can leave your kids uh, with some of us here someone, that is going to take care. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but really, it's just good conversation and just good hangout, really. Just keep your mind sane for the two hours, if you know what I mean, right? Yeah, and it's only once a month and it's done in level six. So in case you, are, you have young kids, you're a young parent and you're just about to tear your hair out, you have not been to church for a thousand years, just come to play and pray. Amen? Yeah. Something that's really awesome that we have. Now, we're going to do some of the real stuff now. So I'm going to ask them uh, this question. First of all, Ethan, starting with you. What are the major trends in your generation that's influencing you? Well, I think the, what the previous slide has shown, like labeling each of the generation, I think it's very true when you talk about trends. I think the trend for Gen Zs is to be competitive. And because we really? grew up, yeah, 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 at least for, uh, you know, what I've experienced and what a lot of my friends have experienced, like what, like what we've seen in slides just now, we grew up in a world where we not just have to keep up with the pace of what we experience locally in Malaysia, but yeah, on an international stage as well. So we face a lot, a lot of pressure and in a world where we have social media and so much, uh, so much uh, the ability to connect with people all around the world. We see everybody doing all these sorts of things and we wonder ourselves that how can we stand out in such a world as this? So with, and with the world telling us that we should be this and we should be that, I, I think that a lot of us feel very pressured and we tend to be more sensitive towards um, you know, a lot of uh, either backlash or whatever uh, comments that people have for us. Yeah, so I think that if we want to talk about what's the trend for a Gen Z to be, I think it's the word is competitive. Interesting. You mentioned something. You said that your generation is sensitive. You mean, is it only the guy? Is it the, is it the girls are sensitive? Because in my generation, only girls knew how to be sensitive. The guys didn't know how to be sensitive. Uh, I think we can take sensitive two ways. I, obviously, I think the stereotype of Gen Z's being sensitive would be, you know, we're, we're a bunch of snowflakes, you know. Whatever you say to us, we, we want to break down, we want to fight back. It's like, no, that's not true, you know. And, uh, but I think that we can look at, while, while that is true, I do believe that some, some of us uh, really kind of need a backbone, you know. Like, you know, kind of need to just have, some, have a bit of tougher skin, you know. Maybe some of us didn't go to like government schools or something and like we weren't keen as like kids or something. But like, um, I, I believe that if you talk about sensitive as in being open to conversation, being open to self-reflect and talk about things that maybe are considered taboo, I think that, be, that being sensitive that way is a really great thing as well. That brings us open to change. And that's why we have so many social, uh, social issues and social changes being talked about, especially within our generation. That's interesting because in my time, nobody wants to talk about taboo subjects. So in other words, what you're saying is that you, your generation prefers these taboo subjects to be opened up in, in, in kind of an environment. Yeah, I think that for us, we realize that you know, it's better to have a conversation about it, talk about it, rather than to just address it as like, you know, if, if everything is fine, let's not just, not, just, just brush it aside. Let's just not talk about it. Let's just sweep it under the rug. No, I think that our generation wants to, uh, when, we, when we see something that needs to have changed or needs to be talked about, we want to talk about it. And we want to make sure that, you know, we get as many opinions as we can and that we can, because we are still growing and we want to form the right ideas. So if we have all these thoughts in our head and, no, and nobody's willing to hear us out, nobody's willing to talk about it, how can we 
have, how can we uh, build our ideals and our values as we are growing up as Gen Zs? Cool, that's cool. I, I'll try to remember that, but we'll come back to it, all right? Because we're talking about a generation, how they are influenced, how they're thinking, and, and how then do we reach out, right? Okay, Joanna, what about your generation? You're Gen Y, right? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, so two main points. The first point is that we are a me generation. So how would that affect me? How will it benefit me? Will it, have, uh, will it be valuable enough to me in my life? So if I feel that it's not benefiting me, I probably won't invest my time into it, into looking into it or researching about it. So everything revolves around me. And if you see social media now, the trend is in, so, um, in Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, we're always posting things about me, right? About how great my life is, about how great my job is, or how I've done so well in this. So it's always about me. And the second point is we are a very fast-paced generation. So it needs to be now, instant. I need it fast. And our attention span is very short. So if you give me a 20-minute detailed research on why something is good, as compared to a five-minute crunch video, I would just go for the five-minute video, although it's just a summary of it, and it doesn't have enough details. So we need it fast now. Yeah. Scary part for me. That means our sermons are more than 20 minutes. <laughs> and they are saying like they cannot absorb it. What do we do? God help us. Actually, you told me your generation is worse. How fast do you need it to be? Well, probably five to ten seconds. That is worse. Hers is how many minutes? Five minutes. Five minutes and yours is? Five to ten seconds. Ten seconds. What do I say? Ten seconds, Ethan. <laughs> oh, never mind. Okay, but that's cool. I, I don't know. I don't know if it's cool after this, right? But we'll go there. We'll go there. So one minute for them, attention span. Ten seconds for them, attention span. No wonder we have a problem. Okay, let's come to the millennials who are raising up uh, alpha generation. Remember, the alpha generation is going to be the most transformative generation. That's why it's important. It's so important. In fact, uh, you know, today's uh, trends for marketing research people, they go for that age. They go for that because they also know the parents of this generation through indulge, right? Right. David, what do you think? So, I, yeah, go ahead. So I think one of the trends nowadays for kids... Um, young kids, it's, you know, one of the most developed motor skills they develop very young is this, you know, at a very young age, they can stop swiping the phone, you know, going to different pages and, you know, it's, um, they embrace technology very quickly. So for us as parents, we have to be quicker. So, but it's not easy, you know, <laughs> and, you know, and it's, there's so much information out there, um, you know, videos and whatnot, but what's more scary is also social media. You know, they, they embrace social media very early. You talk about people bullying over social media. They post nasty comments. And that's just, it just makes it a more and more difficult for the younger generation to set themselves apart, you know, because of all this influence that you have, you know, in, in both on social media or over the phone and all these guys, so easily accessible. And then we talk about instant gratification as well. And that's how they are wired to be. It's all about instant gratification. They need it quick. They want it fast. And they want to enjoy it immediately. You know, so we talk about YOLO lifestyle and that kind of thing. So, so that's, as parents, I think it's a, it's a scary trend that, you know, we have to just be very mindful about. Can, yeah. can I just ask this thing about instant gratification? Actually, whose fault is it? The parents or the kids? 
I'm just curious. <laughs> I'm not putting you in the spot. I'm just curious. I, I, I personally think it's parents. I think um, it's something we can do about it. At, at a young age, at a younger age, you can still control. But once they go to a certain age, then it's just beyond control. Yeah. Mine is more on the social part. I realise the kids these days, they are not as honouring as my time. Oh, I'm not that old, okay, but <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> She's only a millennial. <laughs> oh, not millennial. I think I'm what? Why? I'm millennial. Oh, okay. <laughs> but yeah, I think they're, they lack of honouring. Uh, everything can, can you is describe me. That? Can you hmm? describe that? What does, what does that mean? Uh, they don't address the, the ones that are older than them, like auntie, hello auntie, hello uncle, you know, they don't do that anymore. Or if they go to certain school, it's like, like example, okay, my friend was just telling me, they don't call me ee uh, e, e, e anymore or ju it's just, oh hi Vernon, or oh, hi whoever, Michelle. you know, the names, name calling, like wow, excuse me, we're not equal. They are taught in school that we're all equal, you can do uh, anything, everything, if you put your mind into it, put what into it, you know? So to me, I find it really scary. Like, it tells you, you can be anything you want. You can be anything you want. Wow, this, this is it. I, I just want to probe you a bit on this. I mean, you can be anything you want. How does that feel for you? <laughs> Because you know what? Everything, uh, everywhere, everything all at once, right? Yeah. <laughs> you can be anything you want. I just want to probe that because that's really the trend. Mm, you can be anything you want. I think, personally, I think that there's nothing wrong with the phrase that you can be anything you want because I think in the day and age where you have, you, uh, especially in this digital world, you guys, you're exposed to so many different things and you have a chance to do so many different things. Like, um, you know, if I want, like, for example, uh, in, in university, me and my club, you know, we want to outreach with this club in uh, India as well. We don't need to buy plane tickets to India. We, all we need to do is, hey, here's a Zoom link. Come join us. Let's talk about some stuff and let's get to know each other. So, and I think... The, the phrase, I think it shouldn't be, oh, I, I think it shouldn't be, you can be anything you want to be. I think it should be. Um, I, I tell you what I like about your generation. When they say you can be anything you want, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, you know if they feel this issue about global warming, saving whales or whatever. You look at that girl that won the, the, the prize for, for environmental, right? She was only, what, 16? Uh, and, and, and that's what they do. And, and not only that, I've heard of kids who are even just seven years old who advocate some project like to, to save some orphan. They really will do it. They would just set up a chat group and do it. But my generation, we would go through all the process, think very hard. Then parents would say, you know what our parents love to say? Cannot one. Sure fail one. <laughs> so we cannot do anything, right? What do you think? I think it goes back to our nature of being competitive. When we are told that, you know, you, you can't do this, you can't do this, I think a lot of Gen Zs realize, like, no, I'm going to do it. You oh, know? I like that, I like that. You know, I'm, I'm going I'm to try everything within my means to, to do, if I'm determined enough, I'm going to try to achieve it. So yeah. I think we are very competitive in that I like way. that, you know. So how does my generation feel when you hear someone says, you tell me I cannot do, I'm just about to show you. Interesting, isn't it? I like that because... I think I'm a bit like that, but not everyone's like me. But interesting, interesting. 
Yeah. Joanna, what do you think? I think a lot of it now is the cause for things. Like, for example, in your generation, it's always money, right? So I get a job because it gives me money. It needs to be a professional job because I earn more. But whereas for us now, it's the cause of it. So I could still... C-A-U-S-E. C-A-U-S-E. Not C-O-S-T. Yes, yeah. C-A-U-S-E. Yeah, so I could... my. I, I desire to help the environment. So although I won't earn the money, but the cost of it is going to benefit the world, then I would still go for that. And I think another thing to add on is the accessibility of things for us. So at, in your era, maybe, like you, it wouldn't be accessible to research of the environment. So you won't know exactly, oh, this is bad, that is bad. Whereas for us, we just Google it, we know what is good, what is bad, what's happening around the world. So then that allows us to be anything we want to be because we have the information and the accessibility to things. Parents, how would you feel if your child came up to you and says, I want to be blah, 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 blah. David. <laughs> Oh, it depends what the blah, 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 blah is. <laughs> that's, that's wise. That's really wise, right? If well, he says, I want to be a pastor, he might say, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, you know, so, but you know something, David, in my generation, no, 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 pastor's got no money one. <laughs> well, I grew up like that, right? So, um, but what I, you know, I mean, what I believe in is that, um, you know, when, I think when Felicia shared about you, you can be anything you want to be, I think it's the context of everyone is, they feel that they are self-made. It's by your own strength. Oh, because I, I can, I have access to this and that information, so I am self-made. You know, I can do all these things by myself. But I think what's really missing um, that we as parents need to educate the next generation is always to bring the God element into every, into every circumstances. All our successes as parents or the kids' successes, we just have to keep on uh, emphasizing to them there is always a God behind it. There's always a God element to it. And when they grow up with that mindset, you know, they will always know, okay, even though I have access to all this information, there's always a God that's giving me the favor, you know, for all these divine opportunities, you know. So those are the kind of things that, you know, I think that as parents, you know, so that when they come and tell me I want to be blah, 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 it's guided, it's, um, you know, it's, from, it's a calling, you know, they tell me I have this calling to, from God to I want to do this and that, and that's when we say, yes, by all means, go ahead, Yeah. And also the context of, you know, like in the Western world, I, I want to be anything I want. It's scary. <laughs> it means changing your sex or whatever. At a young age, they don't understand, but it's happening right now, right? So I can be anything I want. I can be anyone I want to be. So that was also the context I was trying to uh, talk about. That's really scary. Incidentally, I was just watching this on CNN last night, and one of the big problems uh, CNN was discussing was the really the, the epidemic of mental depression, especially amongst teens, and, and the amount of uh, teens that are always competitive, always about me, always about what can I become, and because of that intense uh, peer pressure, as well as, and so they attribute it to social media. They attribute it to social media. They're always seeing these things. And therefore, the kid always feels that, actually, if it's a competitive generation, they would always have a question, right? Uh, so who am I? Am I good enough? Am I bad in, uh, Am I beautiful enough? Am I kind enough? Am I glorious enough? Am I sociable enough? So, so this kind of concept would be in them, which brings me to my next question, really. 
You know, I've been a Christian since I was 13. Don't ask me how old I am. So, and one of my joys is actually that I had God right from the start. So naturally, for me, I have made it knowing my identity, being, being very clear who I am, being very secure, not because I can do things, but because when I fail, there's a God. That with God, there's no such thing as, there's a redemption. Uh, incidentally, the whole of the Good Friday, uh, the, the, the Passion Week 1010 is on the theme redemption. Redemption means God is buying back what was lost. For instance, this young boy, right, he died, right? When Jesus spoke life into him, he's buying back his life. He's taking back life again. And so this is very precious to me because I love this truth that if you read the Gospels, you read Luke, the main thing is Jesus came to give life. But it's not just life as to live. Life as in abundant life. Life as fulfilling life. Life as meaningful life. Life as you can, you can, you can be competitive and yet not be killed by the competition. Life as whereby, you know, I can do anything but through Christ who strengthens me. And it's not about pride, it's not about me. The problem with me would be, honestly, if I were to focus on me, I would be dead. Because I used to look in the mirror and say, oh my gosh, people hate me. And I would look at them and when I was in school. You know, when I was in school, I'm short, right? Yeah. I embrace shortness. I know you heard me say that in the, in the altar. But the problem was that not only was I short, I didn't like myself. Because I thought that I had to be like someone else. I had to be like this or that. And that really bothered me. But it is because God is in me. So I'm going to ask this very important question. For me, it is still important that your generation encounters God or has, is, can have life from God, right? Like, like, like this young boy. If Jesus, now take, take it metaphorically, when Jesus spoke life into him, it is interesting. The young man stood up and talked. He had a voice. And now he could really have abundant life. So I'm going to ask you, what does, what does having a spiritual life or a, encountering a life that is, has God inside, what does that look like to you in your generation? I think for a lot of my generation, spirituality has become very individualistic. And it's not in the sense as in like, you know, we are, we are instead, of, of, instead of relating spirituality to, you know, attending uh, big church services and like uh, going to all these big events, we, we just want, we want a place, we want a quiet place where we can self-reflect, talk to God and ask our questions and just have a small community of people where we can uh, group together and journey. So I think it's, it's a bit more individualistic when we talk about spirituality in my generation. So in your generation, would I say that a big church like this is really not your type? <laughs> Don't worry, I'm not putting him in the spot. I'm just, I'm having authentic conversation. Yeah. I wouldn't say a big church is not a type. Maybe for those introverts out there like me, uh, just, I wouldn't say it's not a type, but adjusting to a big church takes a bit of time. But I wouldn't say that not like like just because it's a big church means it's bad or whatever. It's more so like what's the emphasis placed on? Is it uh is it whether we're going whether we're going to a big church or whatever, it's more so like are we being able to ask the questions we want to ask? Are we able to journey with the people? Are we able are we able to you know hear from our spiritual leaders and to be able to grow in a world where everyone's telling you that this is wrong and that is wrong and you should be this and you should be that. So I think that, yeah, I think, yeah, that's what like spirituality that. means to us. Pastor Isaac, take notes. <laughs> Pastor Chu, take notes. <laughs> I, I think this is cool. 
you're not describing size of church. You're describing the opportunity to connect, right? The opportunity to connect. Okay, Joanna, what does spirituality or encountering God look like for you, your generation? I think it, the basis always starts with our personal relationship with God, um, whether we have that closeness and that relationship with God. And then it comes into this generation where everything is online. Sermons are online. We can assess sermons from all across the world and gain different types of revelation about Jesus and the Bible. So now we have this wider access to different views on the Bible and different views on the gospel. So that affects how our spirituality with Jesus also runs. And a lot of times, it starts from at home when we are watching these sermons. Um, not always in church, but it always is maybe within our rooms that we encounter Jesus a lot more now. Wow, interesting. Right. What do you think is encountering Jesus for your children look like? Oh, maybe we can share about our testimony. Uh, it happened just last year. We as a family, we joined the uh, 40 days uh, fasting and praying. So we asked our children if they want to join in. And my boy is seven years old and he loves food, like poor boy. We asked him, do you want to join us with this uh, fasting thing? We, because we were actually praying for him to get to this school. He really wanted to get into this school with his best friends. He didn't get in at first. So we say, why don't we pray and uh, take this time to fast? So he looked at me. He, he thought about it for quite some time, didn't he? Then after that, he said, okay. I say, what would you like to fast? <laughs> he said, can I fast just one thing? I say, okay, sure. And it was chocolate, his favorite thing. So it was really tough. It was really, really tough. Um, whenever we go out, you know, especially weekends, um, if usually we treat them for, for desserts, you know, because it's like a, a thing that we, we go out for uh, weekend. It's like a treat, right? And um, that's once he really broke my heart. He, he said no and he cried. He went to his father there and he teared a little bit. He didn't want anyone to see. It was a buffet, man. I would have, in, I would have dig in and go for it. Like, I can always do this fasting tomorrow. Who cares? But he did it. Um, he cried. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I was very touched. And I say, you know what? God will honour you. And guess what? He got in. He got into that school. He was so happy. Praise God. And that for him encountering Jesus, we say, you know what? Because you honoured Him, He honoured you. He honoured your heart's desire. Even though you seem so impossible to get into the school, we didn't have to do anything extra. Like people say, oh, sometimes you have to push or whatever. We, we didn't have to. And He got in because, because He honoured God. I, I think that for Him in His life, first time in His life, He's like, wow, Jesus, listen to my prayer. Very good, huh? this God. Very good. Jesus, very good. You know, so praise God for them. So we gave God the we 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 gave God the glory, and he he learned, and he's like, oh, daddy. The, the key thing is making sure that God is relevant. Is he's not just a higher authority that we just pray to, but he's relevant in every single aspect of their lives and our lives. You know, and we just constantly remind him that you know even small things like you know they have a nightmare. You pray, you know, and that's what God can help you with, you know. So it's making God, making sure that God is relevant for every single generation. It is not just my parents' um, religion, you know. And I think we just have to make sure that they encounter God as early as possible because there will come a time where, you know, they will be influenced by 
um, by the world, right? And it's very difficult to, um, to, be, to be set apart. And to, but God has called all of us to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And they need to know that God is behind them for, in, order for them to, in, order, in order for them to do that. Yeah. Praise God. There's hope. Amen. There's hope. And it's wonderful. If the Alpha generation is going to be the most transformative generation, then remember that actually all these kids down in Kids Zone, uh, Narrow Street, all that, they're going to be the most transformative generation. And that is why investment into them is important. It is important. Amen. So really give a big round of applause to all the uh, Narrow Street and, and, and Kids Zone teachers. And do come and help us. Do come and help us. Now I'm going to ask a question that, uh, and, and ask a very important question, because we are here running church, right? What is it that we do that would encourage you to grow the kind of spirituality that you just described? And what is it that we do discourages you? Mm, yeah, so I think that one thing that the older generation can help with the younger generation is to help facilitate an environment that is conducive for discussion and allows us to be open with our questions and our doubts. Like, uh, for example, um, I just want to talk about my parents. You know, I think that uh, one of the times where I get fed spiritually the most is when I'm able to ask my questions to them and talk about it to them. Even though, you know, uh, sometimes it may seem a bit taboo to talk about or it may seem, um, you know, like as a Christian, as, you know, even if I've been a Christian for this long, why do I still have these sort of questions that I feel like can't be answered? What, what would be taboo that you ask? Uh... Yeah, yeah, like like doubts, like you know, I'll I'll, get, I'll ask them like you know like 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 a current social issues like you know like is uh, uh, about abortion about uh, you know LGBTQ about all these sorts of things. So I think that um, it's it's not so much about the parents or the spiritual leaders being able to answer uh, these answer us or give us definite answer concrete answers. It's more so about creating the environment that allows us to understand that hey, you know we are. We, Sometimes we may not have the answers to everything, but you know, let's help each other out whenever we can. And uh, you know, we are all we are all still going through the journey of life together, and we're all still fellowshipping. So I think that just uh, creating that environment for us to ask the questions that we want to and to talk about the things we want to, I think that's uh, really conducive to our spiritual growth. And what would discourage your generation? What would we do that would discourage your generation? I think. Um, I think uh, discourage. I think first thing that comes to mind is probably the opposite of that. You know, like uh, like shutting us down, like uh, like shut, either shutting us down or like you know, like say, oh, like you know, just 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 pray to God about it. You know, God will reveal it to you. That's all. I'm sure He will. God will definitely reveal it to you. But like like you know, don't, don't ignore us. You know, like if you if if you're not sure about it. Let say you're not sure about it. And yeah, we just want to talk about don't it. Don't say it, just pray about it. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I'm, I'll make sure I don't say that. Yeah. Joanna, what do you think? What encourages you? Yeah, the, the way that the older generation responds to Jesus, to the church, to the gospel, has an impact on how the next generation will respond to Jesus. And I feel that it always starts from our homes. So if the parents have a passion for Jesus, if they have a fire for Jesus, their children will see and they will catch on to it. And whether your children are our age or the alpha age, we will still see it. So no matter how old you are, how old your children are, um, are if you talk about Jesus, you live under the same roof, we will see it and we will catch on to it. And I think a main thing that's needed in this 
in the generation gap is patience. So a lot of times we don't understand each other because we are in two different generations and that's natural. But you need patience to understand the other generation. So it comes from both ends. You need to adapt. You need to ask questions. Oh, why do you act like that? Why do you respond like that? And so when we both try to understand each other with one focus, which is Jesus, then that comes and brings both generations together for Jesus. You know, Joanna, you also mentioned that it's not enough just to have one or two people being passionate in the church. How can the whole church encourage your generation? So if we see, let's say, Pastor Lee Chu is very on fire for God, very passionate, always asking us to come for prayer altar, come and pray. Yes, which you must come every Tuesday evening. <laughs> then we will also catch on to that fire and that passion. But it's not just Pastor Lee Chu. We... When we see more and more people in that generation have the same fire, we will also catch on to it. It cannot just be one person. But all of this actually starts from your personal relationship. If you don't have that relationship with God, then the fire, the fruit doesn't come and we won't see it. So it always starts from you and Jesus and then it will spread and spread and the whole church will slowly come and there will be revival. Yeah. Amen. Come on, come on. Let's go for this. Amen. So revival comes when all of us are passionate. What do you think, uh, David or Felicia? What is it that the church can do to help the alpha generation? How, how can we encourage parents of the alpha generation? Um, I think, uh, number one, it's speaking life. I think that's very important. You know, I think that's what your, the sermon was also talking about, about speaking life. I think what the older generation can always do to the younger ones is to always speak life and encourage that, you know, that, you know, uh, speaking life is very important because that's how, that's, how they are, that's how they are wired. You know, when you speak life and not death, you know, then, then they, continue, they will grow up that way, right? And I think that's very important. And you know, I think giving them the space um, to, to express what they really feel, I think that's very important rather than to be dismissive. Even us as uh, parents of uh, younger kids, I think us as, even as parents, I think that's why some programs are so important where, you know, where parents can relieve of their stress of taking care of the children because that's what their world revolves around, but that's not what it is. You know, sometimes you need to go for discussions where you, have, where you can have adult conversations and not just baby talk with your children all the time. I think that's very important, giving that space and avenue for parents to gather together and, you know, talk about life, you know, and it's, you know, like-minded people. I think that's very important. If I can add in, uh, so for, uh, for us, actually, we also make sure that our children come to sell. Uh, we look for a family cell, so we tell them, hey, Going to sell is like going to Sunday school. So if you are going to Sunday school, you are going to sell. So even at a young age, they know Friday or whichever day is sell group, you have to go. Wow. Uh, and wow. we try also to bring our children for prayer night. I know it's really hard now, but um, like during the holidays, I would try to bring my kiddos with me. It was tough. <laughs> Let me tell you, it was tough. I have to bribe them with candies and all, but... Um, they, could, they managed to stay for the, an hour plus. So I told them, hey, you, you come because this is part of life. It's not just going to church on Sunday. You, you come to prayer meeting because we need prayer. We need to pray. We, we need help from God. So they dragged their feet, but they came along and yeah. Then This is awesome. Man. This is a Tuesday night prayer meeting, a prayer altar that they came with their kids. 
Okay, I don't. <laughs> I'm not that. But just when I can, and when if it's a school holiday, school holiday, yeah. Cool. Come on, give these parents a big round of applause. Yeah, you know, uh, I remembered long, long ago. Lindy's mom, uh, Pastor Inky, right? She brings her grandson to the prayer altars, and and that's why he learns about prayer from very young. You could from very young, he could kneel, he could worship, he could do all those things. And so it's natural for him, even as he grew older, to love to pray. But I just want to share this to you because speaking life. All right, speaking life. I was very, very impacted and impressed and really impacted by a pastor that I met in Kuching. But incidentally, we're going to be doing a huge youth rallies in Kuching, which I'll tell you in a while. But this pastor, he's actually pastor of a, a pretty big church. It's about three, 4,000 in Kuching, one of the biggest Chinese church. And you know, he did this during the pandemic, which really was wow. He told the parents, bring your child in front of the screen and tell them, don't, don't screen off. That means uh, keep your screens open and give me their names. And then he said to them, make sure your child is in front of the screen and take a picture of them. And then this is what he would do. So he, he would do this. He would call the name of the child. So he would say, the Lord bless you, Isaac. The Lord Keep you, Isaac. And may the Lord turn his face towards Isaac and be gracious to him and give him shalom. And Isaac on the other end would say, shalom. But you know what happened? All the kids love it. And so he had to memorize. Incidentally, it's a huge church. And their children is numbers by the hundreds. I don't know how he does it. Honestly, I don't know how he does it. But you know, it's very cute because some of these kids say, What the means who's in Chinese church, Chinese church. What the means who's in So the poor pastor said, I have to memorize who's in Tang, who's in Tang, who's in Tang. So he says, Who's in Tang? <laughs> and he would do that. Now, when the church opened, this is what he did. When he prays for the congregation, he would tell his leaders, you pray for the adults. But he would be on the stage and he would call all the children onto the stage. And can you imagine that? All these alpha kids, you know, I can't imagine my Jehan and my Ari, right? Yeah, coming onto the stage and dancing with him and he would have, he has made a song about the ironic blessing, the Lord bless you and keep you and kind of song. He dances with them and one by one, he speaks life into them. Try doing it to the friend next to you. Ask him, Andy, try doing it to Pastor Chu. Pastor Chu, the Lord bless you and keep you. I'm going to do it to my husband now. May the Lord cause his face to shine on you and be gracious to you, Pastor Chu. And may the Lord turn his face towards you and give you shalom. Pastor Chu say, Amen. Amen. <laughs> I thought that was so fantastic. And, and his church, the kids love it. And if the kids are late for that blessing session, they will cry. And then he'll tell them, don't worry, don't worry, we can still do it, we can still do it. That is what I think Jesus means. When he says to them, young man, stand up or rise up. I think this is what God is saying to us. It's not about, you know, people talk about all the impossibilities of getting the next generation. Do you think it's impossible for the next generation to have passion for God? What do you think? No, absolutely not. I think um, I think that, like I think I've seen we've seen revivals happen for a generation like the Asbury Asbury revival, revival, yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think revival in any generation, I don't think it's impossible. It's definitely possible. Yeah. What do you think? 
Do you think it's impossible for the next generation to be alive for God, on fire for God? Absolutely not. And I think a lot of times when we see the fire in the younger generation, when they have so much faith and when reality hasn't hit them yet, that is when you see, whoa, they don't even care about going out to the streets, praying for the people there. They don't care yeah. about danger. That's right. That's because right. Because it's all for Jesus. Yeah. yeah. What do you think, parents? For sure. We, we want to see revival, especially for our kids, for sure. And I think this year, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, we're having a kids rally, yes, right? Kids December. Rally, Come on, bring that. your children. I want to see my children yeah. being touched. I want to see my kids on Amen. their knees crying for God, even at the young age. You know, the Bible says, Josiah, King Josiah, eight years eight old, he years was old. a king. Yeah. My son's going to be eight. I want him to oh, be like go, that. Go, Come go, on, go, right? yeah. Come on, let's, let's go for that, right? Honestly. So I want to tell you this. The Children's Rally is coming up, but before Children's Rally, I have two other rallies going to show you on the board coming up in Sarawak, and they're all for young people. One is for actually, can I have this, uh, the, the slide about the, the, the Barrio Revival Rally? And the Sarawak Youth Rally coming up on September the 7th and 8th, as well as the Barrio Revival on October. All this concerns the next generation. But I want to tell you this. We must not only just believe, I actually believe that that generation, your generation, were born for such a time as this. They are born to be able to take on all these impossibilities. They are born. Yes, high speed may, may be like something that confuses us, but they will not be confused by high speed. They will not be confused by this globalization. They will not be confused by the what I call the plethora of information out there. And do you know what, Joanna? I love what you wanted to tell me about truth and Tell, tell us about that, your concerns for this. Yeah, as, as we all know, everything is by one click, right? As soon as you press one click, it leads you into a whole different world with all the information you need. And us being a fast-paced generation, when we click it, we read it, we digest it straight away. So, yeah, really? so, so sometimes we don't filter it properly. We don't really use our discernment or wisdom when we read it. We just digest it straight away. So that is an issue that's occurring at this point. Wow. Wow, come on, give them a big round of applause because they're going to really come together to pray, right? Now, just before we close, I'm going to ask them to pray. So why don't we all stand up? Let's all stand up. Really, I want you to catch what the Spirit of God is saying, even through our next generation. I absolutely believe that the next generation is going to be the generation that can propel even the way forward. Amen. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? But I want you to catch this. When Jesus raised up that young man, he didn't just say, raise up young man. He took the young man and brought him back to his mother. The connection between one generation and the other is very critical. You have heard them say the importance of parents, the importance of spiritual leaders, the importance of our example. If we in this church, the older ones, if you are older than 20, 30, yeah, if you're older than 30, put up your hands. Ah, praise God, all of you. Your passion counts. Amen. If you are older than 30, your passion counts. Amen. Amen. And so if you are not passionate, you cannot expect the next generation to be passionate. Amen. So we're going to pray. Come on. Every one of us pray. I'm going to ask my friends here to join me in prayer. So feel free to pray. Whoever wants to pray first, go for it. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on. Let's really pray. Let's pray that indeed the next generation, indeed, oh Lord God, will be raised to be that generation that can take on, 
Take on even the world, O oh Lord God. Come on, pray. Everybody pray. Hallelujah. Come on, everybody pray. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord God. Hallelujah, Heavenly Father. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah, Jesus. Heavenly Father, you are the true Alpha and Omega. Father, we look to Amen. you. You are the beginning and the end, oh Father God. So Father, you, you are in the future already. You know everything that is going on, Father. And so we put our trust in you. Whatever the, the world says, doesn't matter, oh Father God. What is most importantly, Father, is that we look to you, Father, for all our solution for any problems, oh Father God. And we stand here saying we're not afraid, Father, because you are for us. Who can be against? Amen. So Father, it doesn't Amen. matter what the world says right. What Amen. you say matters You That's have the right. final Amen. say in our lives Hallelujah, In our children's Lord. lives And for many more lives to come So Father, we say Jesus Come and make way in Amen. our lives For my children and my children and my children Father God So I say Lord Your Lord, we come to you and say, Lord, you are Lord. Lord, Amen. Lordship over our lives, That's over right. our job, our family, Father. Father God, we say, Lord, take, take your Lordship over our lives. So, Father Amen. God, we commit Amen. everything, everything unto your hand, Lord Jesus. We honor you, we glorify you. Does Amen. not matter what the world say. We stand here saying, Father, what you say Amen. matters, Jesus. Amen. Thank Amen. you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Feel free. Oh, Lord, I just want to pray um, for our generation and for the older generation, Lord, the next generation, Lord. Lord, even though we may have our differences, uh, we may seem different, we may seem foreign from each other, Lord. Sometimes there are boundaries that seem impossible for us to cross, Lord. May we remember that ident identity is solely in you, Amen. Lord. That all we have right. in common, Amen. Lord. And uh, Lord, regardless of, for our generation, Lord, regardless of what the world tells us, whatever is right, whatever the world tells us right, whatever the world tells us wrong, Lord, may we be firmly grounded in you, Lord. Amen. That, Lord, maybe we continue to have that hunger, Lord, to keep asking why, Lord, and to keep and to keep seeking for the truth, Lord, to keep seeking your heart, Lord, in a world where uh, we don't know what's happening, oh God, and in the world where we're still finding ourselves, Lord, may our identity be grounded in you, Lord. Amen. 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 Oh, Jesus, even though the, do the world may be dark, Jesus, you are the light in the darkness, Lord. Amen. And That's we right. are your chosen generation. Amen. Jesus. You chose right. each and every individual right here, right now. That's right. You chose us to be your generation That's and right. you set us apart from the world. You have made us a holy nation, Jesus. And Lord Jesus, as we go out, Lord, your face shines upon us. As we go out, the world will see that Amen. there is something different about each and every one of us, Jesus. They will see there is something different, something so special, Amen. and that is you, Jesus, because Amen. we are made in your image. Amen. And I thank Amen. you, Lord Jesus. You give us all wisdom. You give us all discernment that Amen. as we enter the world, Jesus, everything we do, everything we say, whoever we talk to, Jesus, you put us at the right place. You put us at the right time. You give us the right things to say, Lord Jesus, because you are sovereign over it all and you have won the battle over every enemy and all the enemies are all at your footstool right now. Amen. Amen. Come on, give Jesus a big thank you so much. Give them a big round of applause. Thank you so much. Yeah. We're going to worship in this song, all right? You know, no matter what is happening, we must never be overwhelmed. Amen? It is God that's still in charge. Amen? Isn't it exciting to know that the next generation, they're going to be even more excited about Jesus? And that is why for us, 
in our generation, the biggest legacy we can leave the next generation is our personal passion for God. If you believe that, say Amen. amen. Say Amen strong and loud. Amen. Yes, say I want to be passionate for God. I want to be passionate for God. Wow, don't sound very passionate, no. Come on, everyone say, I want to be passionate for God. I want to be passionate for God. I'm going to ask you, do you want to be passionate for God? Because it's going to affect your children and your children's children. Amen? Come, I just feel led to pray for parents. So if you are a parent and you have children, just put your hands up. Just put your hands up. Because the Lord is going to say to you, the most important thing is still the close contact. Just like Jesus. Jesus raised that young boy by touching, touching, and by words, and by speaking life. Two things, close contact, speaking life. If you, if you and I don't want the digital world or all that's happening out there to influence them, the greatest need is our personal time with our children. The close contact as well as speaking life. So I'm going to pray for parents. Just lift your hands up. Just felt the Holy Spirit say, Father, I thank you so much. I thank you for every parent here. And as a parents, we all struggle. Even as spiritual parents, we all struggle. Do you know, young people, as a spiritual parent, I struggle. I struggle to make sure that you have got it, that you, we will be able to pass something to you. And that is our struggle. But I felt the Lord say, the key is close contact. The key is not to be separated from our children or from the next generation. That always there is an opportunity to connect. So Father, I bless parents. I bless that parents will be able to have time with their children, to be able even to answer difficult questions. Lord, I pray that parents will not be afraid when their children ask difficult questions, but they'll be able to say, I may not know it, but I absolutely trust God. I also want to pray, Lord God, that every parent will also be able to speak life to our children. Life, oh Lord God. Thank you, Lord. I just felt this. Parents, think about the name of your children and you'll follow me in saying the ironic blessing over your children. So just name your child. So I'm going, to, I'm going to call up my, my, my grandchildren. Okay, I'll call up my son's name, all right? So you call up your children's name because the Hebrews, the Jews, every day would speak this blessing over their children. And it's that blessing that stays as an image inside that child and causes greatness to come out. So let's just do that together. Parents, just follow me. The Lord bless Jonathan. Name your child. One, two, three, go. The Lord, come, everybody do it. Doesn't matter what name of your child is. One, two, three. The Lord bless Jonathan. May the Lord turn his face towards Jonathan and be gracious to Jonathan. May the Lord turn his face towards Jonathan and give Jonathan your shalom. I'm going to do it one more time. This one, my next child. All right. Lord, May the Lord be with Christopher. May the Lord, I can't remember, right? May the Lord be with him and bless him and be gracious to him. May the Lord turn his face towards Christopher and give Christopher your 
Shalom. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. You have said in your word, whoever we bless, you will also bless. Even as we bless our children, help us not to complain about them. Even as we bless the next generation, as we bless Ethan's generation, Joanna's generation, as we bless even the kids that are in the Alpha generation, Father, we know they need to hear the words of blessing. So Father, we thank you so much for this day. Even as Jesus, you spoke life to that young man, you will teach us how to speak life to our children and to one another. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say, Amen. Come on, give God a big clap offering. Thank you so much for coming. Yeah, thank you so much for coming. Do come again tomorrow. Tomorrow, two services. And next week, alright? Thank you so much.